0: Have you ever yelled, I'm not like my father? (laughs) Why is it we love watching Will Ferrell lose it so much? I think if there was an Academy Award given out for being triggered, he would absolutely win every single year. You know, I grew up uh, with a father who was an air traffic controller, which is one of the most stressful jobs on the planet. I mean, at his job, if you mess up, actually people could die. So he was incredibly stressed out. It seemed like all the time, but it was a perfect job for him. He was sitting alone in the dark telling people what to do. It was just <laughs> exactly what his personality longs for. But in spite of the stress of growing up in that home, we had some amazing moments as well. But one of my favorites, of my favorite memories with my dad was watching movies with him. And there were always movies when people's lives were falling apart that he just would love. I mean, he just laughed and laughed when Tom Hanks was in the money pit or when Steve Martin was freaking out in planes, trains, and automobiles. He would laugh until he cried. It's one of my favorite memories. And I think it's because there's something that resonates. We can see ourselves in that freaking out. And, and the problem though is it's funny in film. It is not funny in our homes. And oftentimes we actually end up hurting the people we love the most. When we get impatient and we say things or we do things that trigger each other and we rob the life God intended from those we're closest to. Until we own up to our own negative emotional reactions, we cannot heal and grow. And so that's what we're talking about in this series. All of us have triggers, and my poor wife and I, uh, we came from such different families, and she's, you know, my poor wife has had to deal with me all these years, and, and sometimes we trigger each other. I remember when she was pregnant, she started having these very unusual cravings. Any of you experienced that before? For her, it was Tacos, Mexico. We had to go to Tacos, Mexico every night for two weeks to get carnitas. The body can only take so much carnitas. But there we were every night going to East L.A. when we lived in Los Angeles for Tacos, Mexico. Then one night she decided she needed to have a Whopper from Burger King. Now, I don't care for Burger King any more than any other place and there wasn't anyone near us. So I just suggested calmly, kindly, what about McDonald's? She said, no, you don't understand. I need a Whopper from Burger King. It's like, well, there's Jack in the box on the way home. I want a Whopper from Burger King. I said, well, sweetheart, look, In-N-Out is right by our house. It's so much better. The best hamburger on the planet. I want a Whopper from Burger King. Well, at this point, I was tired of her making every decision for my culinary needs, and I just erupted. I said, you know what? Your problem is, Deborah, your problem is you always have to have it your way. She started laughing at me just like you did. I had no idea. I was yelling the slogan for Burger King at her. There have been other moments. The other day, we were on a a date and uh, having just this nice time, kind of a fancy restaurant. And and in the middle of the date, she says, you know what, Eric, you are so handsome, but (laughs) you're never quite sure what you want to hear on the other end of that. She goes, you're so handsome, but you look so much like you did when you were an infant. (laughs) Isn't it like, is that a compliment (laughs) to have a a baby face? Uh, We were driving to Dripping Springs for a meeting, and and I was so surprised. I thought we were going to be 20 minutes early. And I said, sweetheart, can you believe it? Look how much early we are for this appointment. And she says, well, we're not there yet. I was like, well, what, is, what does that mean? She's like, well, we could get lost. We could get a flat tire. I was like, this is great. You're, you're not, your glass is not just half empty, it's cracked and, and it's <laughs> leaking. And so we get into this little argument. Well, a few weeks later, we're in Hawaii. We're celebrating our 25th anniversary. And at one point, she says, You know, Eric, we've had such a beautiful life together. And I said, Well, it isn't over yet. It is. <laughs> There was this one time we got in this big fight, and I mean, it probably lasted two days. And I, at this point, had just given up, and I was not talking, and we were trying to act like things were okay. We had, you know, at the time, the kids were little, so Deb decided to go to the zoo. So just in silence, we drive to the zoo. I should say we were silent. The Disney tunes were going for the kids in the minivan, but we get to the zoo, and I'm just fed up. I've been giving her the silent treatment, and she seems to like it. That's not the response <laughs> you want. And so I decide I'm just going to stay here by the stroller and see if she even notices I'm here. And she doesn't. And so she takes the kids deeper and deeper into the herpetarium with all the snakes. And so I just sat in the stroller. And sure, I looked like an idiot. And people would come around the corner and see a grown man sulking sitting in a stroller. <laughs> but I could care less. I was so frustrated and so mad. And then it dawned on me as I sat there for probably about an hour, I was supposed to speak the next day at church on the topic, extraordinary contentment. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I didn't know what that was like. And so eventually I, I felt like as I do often, I had to initiate making things right. Well, What what about for you? Have you found yourself being triggered and triggering and in a cycle that seems to be unending? You know, even in that particular instance, the fact that I was going to be at church the next day was a part of what helped me. I mean, being in community can actually help us learn how to better serve each other, having other people in our life that are asking us about our marriage. That's why we're always pointing you towards starting gate, just to get to know other people, serving others with others. That's why we're doing things like jump day today. You can meet other, if you have kids, meet other families while you jump for free at altitude, thanks to our friends next door, right? Or, or today we have our business leaders network. These are just opportunities for you to connect with others, to get to know others that maybe share the same passions. We actually have a big event coming up in October for the women and another great opportunity to meet each other. Let me show you a little video to give you a glimpse of what's to come. Oh. <laughs> do you ever feel like you're not enough? Well, neither well, so do we. we. So join us for the Women's That Conference. October 4th day. So that's coming up in October and the kids will not be leading the worship that day. (laughs) But let me just say, God designed us to live in healthy community and to have healthy relationships, but there is a darkness in our world. In this broken world, there is evil that's actually trying to keep that from happening. Jesus said it this way in John 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, the thief is the evil in this world that's manipulating wounded people to react and to wound others. He helps whisper lies into our minds associated with those wounds so that we can live out of these wounded lies. Unless we turn to the one who created us, we return to the one who loves us, who wants to give us life, who wants to bring healing, And so last week, John Burke walked us through how a trigger is an intense emotional reaction. And and your trigger might portray itself in different ways. For you, it may be anger, or maybe it's panic, or anxiety, or a sense of fear, or even a sinking, hopeless feeling. And it's caused by the trigger, this emotional Memory is connected to something from the past, and it's tied to either a lie or some sort of half-truth. It could even be connected to some suppressed memory. And we talked about last week how our primitive brain, our limbic system, is where emotional memories are stored. And what happens, a trigger can actually connect back to that painful emotional memory. Could be from a past divorce, or betrayal, or a painful season in life. And our brain is actually telling us that we're in danger. It's igniting this idea of fight or flight. And so we react. In essence, it's an overreaction to the present due to the pain of the past. You and I, we don't wanna be prey to our automatic responses, but we also don't want them to go away because they protect us. What we want is to react in a healthy way, to have less and less severe reactions. And so if you miss the message, as always, we post the notes and the video or the audio at our Gateway South Facebook group page, at my website or on the Gateway Austin app, just to stay up if you ever have to miss. But we looked at how the limbic brain and the amygdala amygdala, uh, store these emotional memories. But here's the catch, it moves 50 times faster than actually the rational part of our brain the relational part of our brain, the neocortex. And so what happens is if your amygdala has unhealed emotionally charged memories around something that keeps triggering you, it's going to cause a hyperreaction, a sitting in a stroller in a zoo kind of reaction. (laughs) And if you've experienced this, then what's happening is you know that you're being triggered. And it happens at home right? Your wife says, you never do what I ask you to do. Well, it triggers this unhealed memory of your dad's angry outburst when you didn't live up to his perfectionist standards. And he'd say, you're never going to amount to anything if you keep this up. And into that wound came a lie. You're worthless unless you perform up to a standard. So when your wife says, you never do what I ask you to do, it's connecting to all these emotions, actually connected to some of the most painful moments from your past. And you react as such. And the catch is you might perform well at work, but at home, you're shut down. You have no other energy to give. And so she's being triggered by your inactivity. And so then she talks to you and and maybe even nags you. And so your brain is constantly moving into fight or flight mode whenever you come home. This kind of trigger loop is destructive to our relationships. And so last week, John challenged us to just think about times when you overreact. Try to get to the bottom of what is it that triggers you? Because knowing what are your triggers can help you in the midst of being triggered to push pause, give yourself 20 minutes outside of the argument, to allow the hormones to dissipate. Jeremiah tells us, you can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. Some of us have triggers that we've never acknowledged, never realized. And so denial keeps that wound festering, that problem persisting. Instead of taking responsibility for our emotional reactions, instead we blame You caused me to overreact. Or or we defend. I have every right to overreact and we argue our case. Or we attack. Well, let me tell you what you do that's even worse. But all of this is not making things better. We are contributing to darkness's desire to kill and steal and destroy healthy relationships what God intends for us, uh, relationships that exhibit and experience peace and joy and love. Which by the way, peace and joy and love are not dependent on others or even our circumstances. John Burke was sharing with me uh, that he meditates on this particular passage I'm about to read. Whenever he starts to feel triggered, Memorizing a passage of scripture can be a great help. But for him, he just goes to this passage. It's in Habakkuk chapter three. It says this, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. Quite hopeful so far, right? (laughs) When things are falling apart, here's what he holds on to. Even when circumstances are awful, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. See, your joy and your peace and your ability to love life and to feel free is not dependent on others or your circumstances. God can produce that kind of fruit in your life, no matter what. It's the abundant life that Jesus came to give. And that's the good news, that God came to us to give us life, and his name is Jesus. See, we don't need to blame others when things are going poorly. Because in Christ, when we surrender our life to Christ, when we choose to follow him, we are forgiven and we're adopted as sons and daughters, completely loved and secure forever in God's family. God even calls us blameless in his sight. So we don't need to blame others. And when you're feeling condemned, that is not God's voice that you're hearing. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. See, when you mess up, when you get triggered, or when you find yourself trying to control others because you feel out of control, just confess. Confess to God, confess to the people around you, and forgiveness is a gift that God gives us immediately. You don't need to defend yourself. Actually, the scriptures tell us that Jesus is our defense attorney. Listen to this, 1 John 1. If we claim we have no sin, We're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. We have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. There's no need to defend ourselves. When we are right with the ruler of the universe, he defends us. And so we don't need to accuse others. Instead, we need to take responsibility for our own actions, our own overreactions. And when we do, we actually begin to grow. But see, evil works to bring accusation against us. Revelation 12, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The word Satan means accuser. And his goal is to bring accusation against each other, to keep us from taking responsibility. So we actually go in the opposite direction of what darkness wants in our lives. When we say, I'm sorry, I blew it. This is my fault. But the enemy wants to kill kill, steal, and destroy our relationships. And we contribute towards that when we don't take responsibility. But the gospel of Jesus, the good news is that you don't need to blame, defend, or accuse. You are safe with God, loved, and secure. You have nothing to fear. So you can let God heal you and grow you to truly love God and to love everyone life by life. So when we get triggered, We begin by taking responsibility for our emotional state. So we're gonna talk about getting untriggered. And John gave us the outline last week, John Burke. There's so many Johns here now. Uh, He gave us an outline of how to get untriggered. And we're gonna look at the same outline every single week, but just add more details to it. Sometimes when we go through a message, there's just so much to remember and apply that by the next week, it's hard to make progress. Our hope is that this will saturate your heart and mind and you will know what to do when you are triggered. Come every single week as we add layers to this experience. We should have called the series Untriggered because that's the goal. But the first thing you do is spot the symptoms early. The goal is to get better and better at realizing when you're getting triggered. Remember, your amygdala is hijacked your brain, and it gets flooded. And, and by this time, it's too late. And here's what's really frustrating is that when you feel this intense emotion, your muscles start to tense up and your heart rate might start beating faster. Your mind is racing to protect you, convinced that you are right. You're trying to protect yourself when this happens. And so the next thing, if you've let it go too far, you didn't spot the symptoms early enough, but you're being triggered then you next stop. You just stop. And there's two things you need to do. You need to de-escalate, and then re-engage the rational brain. And some of you are thinking, yeah, but my spouse does not know how to do that ever. (laughs) Or or I don't know how to do that ever. Or my parents have never shown a rational side. Or my roommates. But go back to just, you can't Make someone act differently, but you can choose how you're going to respond no matter what they do. And so first, de-escalate. Give your amygdala time for the hormones to dissipate that have hijacked your brain. And you do that by de-escalating yourself. When you're feeling triggered, you've never felt so right, but you've never been so wrong. Your rational brain is not in the driver's seat. Your limbic system is designed to help you survive. That's why these 20 minutes to allow the hormones and the chemicals of the amygdala to dissipate are so important. Just in the middle of a conversation or that's turned into an argument is just push pause. Just say, hey, you know what? Let's take a 20 minute break. Put yourself in timeout. <laughs> Go on a walk. Just give yourself 20 minutes to work through this. Now, of course, when you're arguing with someone who has an unhealed abandonment wound, you wanting to walk out is going to trigger them. Isn't this fun? <laughs> <laughs> but it's human reality. It's, it's learning to give each other grace. It's easier said than it is to do. But we, we've talked about how what happens when you are triggered physiologically. And so you can agree on this. Okay, I understand. You're, you're not abandoning me. You're just needing to de-escalate. I appreciate that. And you go for a walk. You connect with God. You pray. And maybe even pray this specifically. God, I don't know what's going on, but you do. Calm me down. It's so much better to ask God to calm you down than it is for someone to tell you to calm down. <laughs> So stepping aside and asking for help. Jesus promised this to all his followers. Listen to this in John 14. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Then when you want to re-engage your thinking rational brain, ask this question, what's going on inside of me? Start asking observational questions. This turns back on your neocortex. What is happening? Why am I doing this? Why is this bothering me? What is this pointing back to? It helps you get past that threat and maybe even get back to that painful memory that's not yet been healed so that then you can deescalate the situation. Remember, you have your perspective, your version of the story, but they have their version of the story and neither are complete. They may be accurate, but they're not fully complete. What you need is that third perspective, God's perspective, to help you so that you can agree on how to move forward. You can agree on what's going on. And you don't, make a, you don't blame, you don't accuse, you don't move into, let me tell you what's happening. What you said triggered me, right? that's right? You're going right back into a trigger loop. You're blaming them instead saying, hey, when you said this, I got triggered. I, and I'm sorry, I overreacted to what you were saying. And I'm not sure why, I'm doing the work to figure that out but you deserve better than that. Here's the catch. You have to own your own reaction. You cannot blame others for how you feel. Nobody has control over your emotions or your reactions except you. Listen to this again. Nobody has control over my emotions or reactions except for me. And so what happens is in the middle of this stopping and de-escalating, then you need to begin searching for the lies, the agreements, and God's perspective. See, evil propagates through unhealed wounds, lies, or agreements, or triggered reactions. And it's passed from generation to generation. That's why this is so important. It's not just about you. It's about what your kids have inherited from you, what you inherited from your parents which they inherited from their parents. But you and I can actually be the ones that find healing and stop the generational curse that keeps going from generation to generation. This can change. You can replace the lies that evil sows into the fertile soil of unhealed wounds. You can replace them with God's truth. That's why we're always pointing you back to the scriptures, spending time with the scriptures to know what's actually true And oftentimes when we're triggered, it connects to a core need that we feel is threatened. I wanna walk us through some of these core needs and consider which of these core needs are the ones that you often feel threatened you might not have access to. These core needs like validation. Validation includes respect or appreciation. Or maybe the core need that you feel is threatened most is a loving connection. That includes companionship and belonging. Or maybe it's autonomy. Feeling like you you need the freedom to be able to make choices for yourself. Or maybe a core need that is feeling threatened in your life is value. Worth and status feel threatened. Or maybe it's safety, stability, and peace feel threatened. Or maybe it's comfort, pleasure, fun, rest, or maybe purpose. See, these core needs cannot be met by other people. Ultimately, the only way our deepest needs can be met is in a healthy relationship with God. And through that, we're able to help meet the needs of those around us. But if we're looking to other people, our roommates, our parents, our spouse, to meet our deepest needs, we will always be disappointed. But instead, if we allow God to meet our deepest needs and then seek to meet those needs and those around us, we can actually be part of the solution learning to hold on to God's truth. When we humbly seek God's help in this area, he will show you in time when you're spiritually ready to let him heal you and replace the lies with truth. John 16 says this, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So maybe pray this passage from Psalm 139. Search me, O God. And know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. God will lead you to healing and living in his truth. And it changes the triggered reactions and leads you to freedom in life that can spread through your home, with your roommates, with your parents, with your spouse, with your kids. And then we let God heal the wound. And we focus on how to form a new habit to respond To God's Spirit. You know, Deborah and I, our kids are now 19 and 17, and we were watching a film. It was a great movie called Blinded by the Light on Friday. And it was a meaningful film, but we were both just sobbing at the end, realizing it was hitting some triggers from when we were 17, when we were trying to find freedom, living under the oppression of our parents, right? But it also started triggering other. Feelings of not wanting to be those oppressive parents. It was such an odd experience. You know, see, what we've discovered is that you can spend the rest of your life trying to find healing for things that happened 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. How long are you going to be haunted by your mom? How long will you be haunted by your dad's worst moments? We don't have to be victims any longer. We don't have to allow the past to haunt us and harm our present. My parents seemed to be more strict than all the other kids in in my group of friends. And it seemed like I was always in trouble, even though I was a good kid. And so as an act of rebellion, I grew out my hair. True story. I've showed you this picture before. That's me. But I grew up thinking that yelling to get your way is how to live. But my roommates didn't agree. My wife didn't like my controlling and angry style. And to be honest, you know, I love my parents. We're in a great place now. But it wasn't until I moved to Austin that I really found healing for this in my life. And it was through this community. It was through the 12 steps that I finally found freedom in this area. See, I began to learn that when things don't go my way, getting mad, feeling disrespected, becoming bitter was not helping me. See, bitterness in your heart creates doubt in your mind. Bitterness cannot be contained. It spreads and begins to affect every relationship, not just the one with the person who hurt you. It was easy for me when I would get upset or frustrated to emotionally cut off people or to avoid people or demean people behind their back. But I remember hearing a quote from Nelson Mandela who said this, resentment is like drinking poison and hoping it hurts the person that hurt you. And so I remember several years ago, many of you were here, I interviewed Jamie Schwartz about the 12 steps. I have a picture of a different interview. This was with her and Corey. I am not as small as that picture makes me look. It's the angle. It's the angle. Yeah, that's Kenny Green added that later. Thank you, Kenny, our central campus pastor. But I show a picture of them because these two have been instrumental in helping me find healing in my life. And now, Corey serves with our open share every Wednesday night. You can jump in no matter how experienced you are with the 12 steps. But Jamie's the one who taught me, who taught us, that it's not about being an alcoholic or a, a someone addicted to drugs, that all of us who struggle with anger issues or with anxiety or, or, or with a sense of hopelessness, uh, whether it's a, a hang up or a hurt or a bad habit, all of us can find healing. Really, the 12 steps are just spiritual disciplines. And so now Jamie leads a recovery and restore efforts. And so we have grief shares starting up Sundays at four. In September, we have boundaries starting up Sundays at four. Both will have childcare offered. But right now, in the next couple of weeks, you can sign up to be part of our 12-step studies. This is what changed my life. And it's not something we're able to offer all year round. Open shares open all year round. But to, to be a part of one of these step studies, I wanna encourage you to jump in and find healing. You know, when we interviewed Jamie that day, 12 people came up to her afterwards saying, I have the same issue, can you help me? And so she took 12 women through the 12 steps. And you know, over the next several years, now about 300 of us from five different campuses have been through that, people even overseas have been through that and found healing. So here's your assignment this week. I want you to write down when you get triggered. And I want you to come up with a a plan on how you're going to de-escalate and how you're going to re-engage your relational brain. And then start to ask, what core need am I feeling is threatened? And so during this song, as the band plays, I, I want you to just reflect on what you're hearing and ask God to speak to you to show you what your next step will be. So as they play, consider and reflect.